Yesterday on Real Ghost Stories Online, just who or what got in a rideshare vehicle late one night that was rather unrecognizable. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. About to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. 855-853-4802 is our phone number to share your real ghost stories with us. And if you like the show, become an extra podcast person that's a supporter. You do that at ghostpodcast.com. You get access to our exclusive bonus episodes every week, advanced episodes of the show, the whole archive, and it's all ad-free. So you can binge away on it. Uh, It will take you quite some time to get through the several thousand episodes that are there for you. The world's largest audio archive of ghost stories. Check that out at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Tony and Todd with you on today's episode of the program. What's going on? We were talking off the air about uh, our weekends a little bit, and I said it's it's so nice because I just recently changed jobs and kind of moved a little bit away from radio, and now I've got all this extra time, Mm -hmm. so... Sunday, I did something I think you would enjoy doing. I went on a guided tour of a local graveyard cemetery. Oh, and? Big one here is uh, called Riverside Uh Cemetery in the city I live, and it's right on a river, obviously, by the name. And they basically, what they did was on this particular tour, apparently they do several tours throughout the summer and in the fall, Mm -hmm. and each one kind of focuses on different things, like one will be about the artists that are buried there and, and so on and so forth. This one was on, like, all the connections to big-named families in the city. Okay. So, you know, like, you hear, you see a street name, and you're like, well, there's the family it was named after. Or, you know, the big company that opened up that was a logging company back in the day, it's, and is still very well-known. There's the family right there. So it was actually kind of cool. And it's a huge cemetery. So there's all, I mean, from today's tombstones all the way back to, like, the early 1800s. It was really cool. Today's hits and yesterday's favorites of tombstones. That's correct. That's correct. A better variety of tombstones for the valley. So is this Cape Blood Cemetery? No, it's not. And okay. I don't even know exactly where Cape Blood Cemetery is. I don't think it's Riverside if, if I'm, if I'm it, right I think that's that, like but... in Nina or something. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, this one's yeah. in Oshkosh. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that one's on a river too. That's what made me think of that one. Because that one has... Um, it has the the grottos in it, but down by the river in that one, and but they took all the figurines and buried and blessed them because people were doing like satanic rituals on them, uh, in this little walking path, which is really fun to go on at like ten thirty at night in October with a flashlight. By the way, <laughs> I'm sure you've done that, haven't you? I did with Chad Lewis once. Yeah, it was, uh, and I, I had a mini disc recorder. That's how long ago it was that I did that, and I was recording it, and it was creepy as hell. Went to one of the um, the the stations there, the the altar type things, and in sticks was L I V E, and then you heard some like rustling off on the side, and it's like, okay, I'm more afraid of the people who might be down here more so anything else. But uh, yeah, creepy stuff. But well, and some of the big mausoleums, um, the tour guide was saying that some of them had been broken into, and you would think. Well, you know, you're going to go, you know, rob a mausoleum. You might be going in to try and find the family fortune, right? Mm -hmm. 
Well, not in this case. No, they were doing exactly what you were talking about, stealing human bones. Oh, God. To do satanic rituals. So they know of at least two instances in this cemetery where satanic ritual, rituals took place after breaking into these mausoleums and taking bones. What do you do if your loved one had like satanic rituals performed on their gravesite? Do you move their body at that point? Do you just kind of be like, here's a little bit of sage and some holy water. You'll be okay. How do you handle that? I just think it's that right there is the reason not to be buried. Nobody can dig you up. Nobody can use your bones in some sort of weird ritual. Yeah. If you're either burned or they turn you into mulch or you do that tree thing, I just think you're better off. But you, I don't know. You totally take away your chance of being a zombie, though, someday. And that's really where I kind of like, yeah, I want to do the zombie thing. If I can do the zombie okay, thing, I want to do the zombie I, thing. I got to fight you on that because zombies can be killed, right? If you're a ghost or like an evil entity, that yeah. can't be stopped. True. But you could probably do both. I mean, if you can like be the ghostly spirit and then come back into the body and start walking around. I mean, yeah, I, I think it'd be fun to at least try the zombie thing. I think that's what needs to be considered. The only <laughs> cool zombie I know of is Billy from um, uh, Hocus Pocus. <laughs> that stupid movie. <laughs> oh, what? are they? Uh, they're making a new one of that, aren't they? I think so. And I, I, you know, I'm kind of, I'll be honest, I'm kind of excited about it, but also kind of not because I actually really like the first one because yeah. it's so cheesy and whenever it comes out, it's, it's time for Halloween for me. Sure. So it's like, you know, I think that the twist that they should do on it is uh, it, it's all the same cast, but Sarah Jessica Parker plays the role of Carrie Bradshaw in the new Hocus Pocus. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just everybody else is the same character, but she's still Carrie Bradshaw. I think that would be really great. That would be yes, a real I love that. interesting twist on Hocus Pocus. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Let's go to our first letter of the day. It says, hey, guys, I have this story from a friend with dyslexia who told me reading was a bitch for him. His name is Isaac. He would remember the street near me, but described it with a number next to it. That's how he remembers it. I guess people interpret things differently, especially with dyslexia. I do not know much about it. I guess the last I guess the last recent years, he made it clear that he did not want to be on disability. He said some stuff about autism and the spectrum of it, but he said most of those are made up. He was trying to find a place to live in, and most were places that were designed for people with disabilities, so he did not want any part of it. He was just a friend. I do not know much about his schooling or any of the stuff, but he was an honest guy. He did a good job. With, he had a job with Uber and Postmates, driving people around town or dropping off whatever food order that was made. I recall joking about a house he delivered to, and it's strange because he sounded logical about it all. I told him I was joking with him, and he delivered to a haunted house with an order, and it went wrong. But he was not familiar with jokes when it gets mixed up with work. The odd thing about this guy is he does not take jokes well. Like he's more of a guy who doesn't believe in any movies or television shows. Even the sports games we watch, they're make-believe. Just like if the Super Bowl would have been followed by the Wizard of Oz. After that, he'd be like, click your heels together and see if the other team won. He's accurate, but his logic is off when it comes to shows and television. He told me a story about working for Postmates where he delivered food to a house late at night. But it was a casual order. It was some KFC order, but he insisted that most of his orders were expired from the menu. So I joked that the person who made the order was impossible. He'd argue with me. I'd argue back. But when it came to the order, he'd get the same order each night. It was not until he saw an old commercial 
which he knew was from the 80s when he noticed the price was much lower. And he told me, did you order a bucket of chicken and all the sides for 10 bucks? I told him I never ordered it. The last time I bought a bucket of KFC, it's always been 15 or 20 bucks. And that was without the sides or a biscuit remotely near it. It was not that price that spooked Isaac. It was the order that threw him for a loop. But the odd part he mentioned was that nobody was there to pick up the order, but it was paid for. So it was not a joke. Each time he delivered the food, he was creeped out. He was delivering to nobody. He was also kind of creeped out that most of the orders were 20-piece honey wings, popcorn chicken, chicken littles, and stuff that was not normally ordered. The odd part that I kept a secret was the location was originally down the street from me. The location he delivers to is a Taco Bell KFC, so that's kind of rare. I'm not sure if ownership has any association with it, but he's getting strange orders every now and then. Anyways, I'm just reporting the news to you guys. Keep the show going. You guys are the best. Go Packers and fuck the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so th- it's, it's interesting that um, he's getting like orders for menu items that would have existed like 25 years ago and then going and delivering to a house that nobody seems to live at. The lowest level of haunting ability. The only thing you're able to do as a ghost is call KFC and order old stuff from 1983. That would I mean, be awesome. How disappointing would that be? I would love to be able to do that. I, would, I want to do this as a living person and order shit from 1983. I think that would be great. But uh, gotcha. I mean, I can't even. Is somebody playing a trick on this guy? I mean, what's going on? I don't know. I still go back to the question I posed on the show like seven or eight years ago. Why is it, you know, we talk about pets that haunt homes and all sorts of things. Why is it, I mean, chickens are smart. Why is it that KFCs are not haunted as shit with all of the dead chickens that are in there? You would think that maybe at night you'd have some activity from the chickens. Or is it because, uh, and someone brought this up when I asked it a long time ago, the chickens at KFC probably did not have a personal connection with anybody. They weren't that loved, but they're still would a person who wasn't loved not haunt too? Well, see, and my theory goes back to it's all about energy. So if, and I don't mean to get gruesome here, um, but if the chickens died at some sort of facility, I would say the facility would have more haunting than a KFC. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the energy, that's where the horrible thing took place. Yeah. That's, that's where you'd go and, you know, there'd be nothing there, but you'd be getting your eyes packed out kind of thing. <laughs> you know? That would be horrible. Zombie chickens pecking your eyes out of the KFC. It sounds like a great, like, like a, a Lifetime movie, maybe. I don't know. Probably like sci-fi, <laughs> not Lifetime. Sci-fi. Sci-fi, like from 1968. Yeah. Yeah, that would yeah that would fit there. I mean, you could make it a Lifetime movie if there was, like, some sort of man that was abusing the chickens or something. And then it would fit over there. But uh, Yeah, and then there was a woman who was upset about it. And another man came in and bought the facility and made everything good. And then they fell in love together and got married at Christmas time. And all of the wedding party were chickens and they're all dressed up. <laughs> and that's how it would work. Yes. It would be yes. great. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Next one says, my story is one of love and hope. At least that is how all the people involved felt. Over 25 years ago, my husband and I were anxious to move home to the Philadelphia area since we had a 10-month-old and another baby already on the way. We found the perfect home, close to both sets of our parents, extended families, and friends. However, sadly, at that point in our lives, it was way out of our price range. But the realtor kept calling us, letting us know how much the sellers wanted us to have the house, even offering us a special price. See, although we did not 
really know them. We had a lot in common, knew many of the same people, and my husband had graduated from all the same private schools where the seller husband had been a longtime sports coach, and their boys had graduated from there also. We were told they built the house and did not want to move, but the husband had cancer and was trying to keep up a five-bedroom house and almost an acre. It was just too much, so they needed to downsize. Eventually, the price dropped into our range, and with some help from my in-laws, we bought the house and moved in. Two years later, it was a lovely fall day, and I was in the front yard with my now three babies and a friend taking pictures of the kids with pumpkins and in piles of leaves when my son Christopher points up to his bedroom window and starts yelling, Man! Man! He was about 18 months old and did not have a big vocabulary at that time. At first, we just laughed it off, but when he would not stop and he was quite adamant about there being a man up in his window, we started getting creeped out. Chris was not upset by the man that he was seeing. He seemed simply curious about why there was a man there. My friend and I knew that the back door was locked, plus my two very local basset, or very vocal basset hounds were in the backyard and had seen anyone, or had they seen anyone approach the door, they would have heard the howling. Their entrance was through the garage, which was also closed. So we were certain that no intruder had entered the house while we were playing in the front yard. Regardless, I armed myself with a garden rake and crept into the house while the others waited outside. Slowly, I crept up the stairs and down the long hallway to the last room on the left, Christopher's room. It was a bright and sunny room and was unsurprisingly empty. And of course, I checked the closet just to be sure. I went to the window and opened it and called down to my group to let them know all was well. But Chris got a rather perplexed look on his face and asked, Where's man? We tried to explain to him that there was not a man in his room but he wasn't having it. He saw what he saw and could not be convinced until he was distracted by lunchtime. Two days later on a brilliant Saturday, we were having a party outside when a neighbor walked up. She was not there to join us, but to let us know that the previous owner of our house had died. As she was walking away, I had a thought and asked her, when exactly did he die? Not a shock, but two days prior on Thursday morning. Could he have been the man in the window? Flash forward several years, my husband and I were at a function for the school that we all had a connection with, and now our three kids were going there too. When I saw the entire family of the previous owners, apparently the man who had died was getting a special honor, and his widow and all of their grown children, spouses, and grandkids were there to receive it. At some point during the evening, I found myself alone at the bar when the eldest son walked up and we introduced ourselves. We chatted for a few minutes about the house and the changes we had made. Then I got up my courage and said, I hope this isn't weird and that you won't think I'm crazy, but I have a very strange story to tell you. And I proceeded to tell him the story about the man in the window. As I told the story, his face seemed to drop and lose color. I began to think that I had made a mistake sharing the story. When I finished, he just put his hand on my shoulder and said very firmly, don't move from this spot. I'll be right back. At that, he took off and returned quickly with his elderly mother and entire family. He then asked me to please retell the story. And I did. As I finished, not knowing what to expect, the widow, who had tears in her eyes, grabbed me into a big hug and profusely thanked me. Then the entire family, close to 20 of them, all started to happily chant over each other, all trying to tell me how for years they'd always been saying, when daddy died, they knew he would go back to the house he built and loved. And it was during this wild conversation that I found out that the room which was then my son's room, had been his office. After a while, I noticed my husband looking for me. I said goodbye and 
They all thanked me again for the greatest gift anyone could have given them, the knowledge that their beloved husband, father and grandfather, was happy. And no, my son never saw him again after that beautiful Thursday morning in autumn. Well, I'm glad that ended well. It wasn't like, stand right here, and then he comes back and like the whole gang of people and beats him up or something. It was yeah. a warm and cuddly story. Really was. And, you know, you do hear stories like that uh, quite often, but that one's kind of touching in, in that it seems like they were chosen for the house or the house chose them or the family that owned the house chose them or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I've actually heard of that happening where, you know, people who are selling a house really want a specific couple yep. or group to, to buy that house and they'll do whatever they need to do. Just kind of interesting. And uh, I wonder if they've had any activity there since. I mean, I know they haven't seen the man, but I just wonder if anything ever, ever kicks up again. It'd be interesting. I wonder if they're going to be more aware of that now. And, you know, if it were to happen, it would, you know, set off some alarm bells a little easier. I've been in situations right. where I've been uh, house hunting and such, and the realtor will be like, you know, they're really motivated. It wouldn't hurt to write them a letter. I'm like, huh? You know, if you wanted to get like the price lower, but like, I guess, motivate them in a letter as to why it should be lower <laughs> and like, like give them a story of like, you're a family with children or something like that or whatever they're looking for. I'm like, well, this could be, you could be a really horrible person and do this too. And like make up this whole like sob story, basically listen to the Delilah show for a night and just take notes. And then you could uh, put that all into one long story. That is, uh, that's a good story, though. I like that one a lot. I do, too. Thank you for sharing. 855-853-4802 uh, is our phone number. But Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to a caller. Hi, you're on the air. Hello, my name is Terry, and I called about a month ago and left a story about, um, and I think it's probably sleep paralysis, but I'm not sure. And I had a, an incident where I was kind of waking up, and I felt this thing next to me, and and uh, felt like uh, it wasn't a good thing <laughs> and an entity or something and uh, something told me not to look to the side of it and I felt like I was being electrocuted anyway um, and then I uh, had something kind of told me to say the Lord's Prayer I did and it stopped which is good because I thought it was probably going to kill me because uh, I never felt pain quite like that so i don't know if sleep paralysis was i mean i'd love to hear your thoughts about that and um i'm not sure what it, what it was exactly that i experienced but um it never happened before and never happened since however i did have this the second part of the story this is the one i told before um i it was about two weeks after that because I kept thinking, okay, there's got to be a logical explanation for what what occurred, and I'm fairly, I'm a pretty logical individual. And it's not that I don't believe in the paranormal, but um, I prefer to believe that there was a logical, practical um, reason for for what happened to me. So, if if anyone has something to offer on that, that I would love to hear that. But at any rate, the, about two weeks later, after that incident, I was waking up from a nap, and it was kind of dusk out. It was, um, you know, twilight. And um, I, again, was waking up, and I had this thought in my head that 
the radio is going to go on, because I listen, used to listen to the radio going to sleep, or a, a tape, actually, that I had. And um, I thought that thing's going to get louder. And I was still in bed, and all of a sudden, the thing, it just, it went so loud. It just went way up the volume. And, I mean, just booming. And so I I got out of bed, and I, I mean, it's something that you would have to turn the dial down. So I turned the dial down and I'm like, there's just no way that that happened. I mean, and I was sitting right, there was nothing that was around. And I, but I just woke up knowing that was happening. It was going to happen and then it happened. And then I just kind of had this thought about, well, you know, I, I thought that my, you know, experience before had just been sleep paralysis, but I'd had had any doubt about it. There was something else involved, and that event was that with the radio was to show me that, and um, it's freaked me out ever since. I it's been 15 years ago, and I I still don't quite understand what it was or or what happened. Um, I told my husband about it, and he's you know perplexed as well. Um, Interestingly enough, it, it was some time after that, and again, I don't, I don't know the approximate time since it was 15 years ago, but it, it was after that um, my husband was dreaming and having a nap, and he uh, was dreaming, and he he came in later after he woke up, and he said, I had the weirdest thing happen, and um, I said, well, you know what? And he said, well, I kind of, I think I was kind of asleep, but I was waking up and or maybe it was a dream, but I'm not, I'm not really sure. But at the foot of our bed, you know, there was just kind of this really bright light and um, it, it was this being that was really tall. I mean, he, he was as tall as the ceiling and it just kind of filled up the room and said but I felt really warm and peaceful and loving and he said to me um, you know it's okay everything will be over soon and my husband was kind of going through some you know stuff at work or whatever and he's pretty stressed out and and so uh, anyway he said I just felt it was very calm and gentle. He said, I got the feeling it was like an angel. And I saw these, this, this thing was beautiful, but not, he said, I think it was male, but not really sure exactly, but it was beautiful. So it was just so beautiful. And the the light was something that was huge, it was bright, but you could look into it and not hurt your eyes. And then, you know, he said, I, he said, I think I felt back asleep or I, he said, either I was dreaming or, it, you know, as I as I woke up, this happened. So, you know, of course, I'm thinking, well, how come he gets the angel and I get the other thing? I don't know. So I was kind of upset about that, too. But at any rate, um, I was just hoping that maybe you could shed some light on that experience. I It's always perplexed me. And I'm, again, a very logical person. And I... I prefer to believe that it's something, you know, um, meta, you know, physical. 
in the physical world rather than the supernatural world. I always thought it'd be cool to see a ghost, but after that experience, I I don't think I I do. So I've had some other things happen, nothing quite as dramatic as those, but I will call back again sometime and and uh, relay those. But thank you. By the way, I'm from uh, your area of uh, the country in southwest Missouri is where I grew up. I uh, live in Oklahoma now, but um, I love your show and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for sharing that uh, that experience with us. What are your thoughts on all that? Well, I remember the uh, the first uh, call. I think we actually talked about that on the show where she had the thing and she thought it might have been paralysis. Mm-hmm. The radio thing is interesting. Um, and two thoughts come to mind. Number one, if it did play out as she claims it played out, first thought is that something was putting in it in her mind that it was going to do that mm-hmm. and then followed through. And then the second thought on it was she was thinking it and actually made it happen herself. So that was a second thought process on that. And I can't really tie into the third one very much at all because it sounds like these three things probably have very, in my mind, very little in common. It almost sounds like three very distinct episodes, not much tying them together. Yeah, just uh, very different uh, encounters or different experiences that could very easily have something uh, you know, else going on to them that uh, go beyond just uh, you know normal, explainable things. Um, and, and maybe you know, I, I think some people that uh, we we talk about sensitive people, and and I think a lot of times we think, oh, they always have stuff going on. I think there's you know there's sensitive light too, where you just kind of have little things here and there, and and you really kind of got to be aware of what's going on to really pick up on on kind of the the oddities or the abnormalities of some of them sometimes. Yeah, I think there are people who are really wide open and experience everything. And then I think there's people who kind of have that door just slightly cracked open. And if something is strong enough to kind of push its way through, they'll experience it. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they'll pass it by just like everybody else. Yeah, I agree. Let's do one more call, 855-853-4802. Hi. Hi, my name is Caitlin. I'm from Virginia. And I just wanted to talk about my very first ghost experience. Um it was when I was like four or five years old. I lived in Chesapeake at the time and I was playing in my bedroom and out of nowhere, like my dad's friend, he came up to me. He was like, hey, is your dad home? But before I continue with this, the backstory of my dad's friend and him was my dad's friend name was Sean. And he killed himself when they were both 15 years old, a freshman in high school in Missouri, Farmington. He shot himself right in the chin and like blew his head off. Like it was, it was crazy. But my dad never talked about this story. And so I'm sitting here, I'm playing in my room and his friend Sean came up and was like, hi, is your dad home? I'd like to speak to him. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, let me go get him. So I walked from my room to the kitchen and I was like, hey dad, your friend's here. And before like I gave him a chance to be like, oh, what friend or anything, I asked him, I said, did it hurt? He was like, did what hurt? I was like, when I shot, when he shot himself. And my dad, he freaked out because he never talked about this story. It happened to him when he was 15 years old. It was his best friend ever. Like, it traumatized him. So, like, he never brought it up. And he was so scared. Like, 
he had just sent me back to my room. He said, go to your room and I'll be back in there. And he called my mom. I heard him on the phone like, I'm freaking out. I don't talk about this. How does she know about him? She's asking, did it hurt? Like, he was so scared. And I guess my mom told him to bring me photos because he walked in my room with three photos. And he said, point to the boy I had seen. And I'd point to this boy named Sean. And I was like, it was him. He was trying to see you. And my dad was like, Katie, he died when he was 15. I haven't spoke about him. Like, what did he look like? And that's when I broke down. Like, his head was blown off. He was very young. He looked scared. He he just wanted to talk to you, basically, is what he was saying. And he just brushed it off, and he never brought it up again. But, like, to this day, I will never forget the very first time I realized I could see ghosts because that was a very traumatic for a four or five year old to just see that. And throughout my whole life, I've, I've just on top of everything, on top of everything, on top of everything, I just see ghosts everywhere. Every house I live in is always haunted. And I think I take it as a gift. It's nothing to be scared of. Embrace it. They're not going to hurt you. It's okay. But basically that's all I wanted to say. Thank you so much. That's a very interesting story. I can't, I mean, just having a little kid and then just, you know, saying this information just off the top of your head, just so nonchalant, like, yeah, he blew his head off, you know, but it's, it's crazy. Kids do that sometimes. Yeah, they do. The stuff that scares the hell out of us as adults, they just kind of overlook because they don't understand why they should be afraid of it. No. And, and, you know, here she is four or five years old and she's getting this message now, whether or not um, she was seeing him for real or she was seeing it with her third eye or something like that. I, you know, who knows at that point, but she says she's seeing it all her life. I'd like to hear more stories. Um, had a chance to talk with uh, an intuitive, um, psychic a couple of weeks ago. And she was just saying, it's, it's okay if you have those powers, but you still have to be kind of careful because unless you've learned to shut that stuff out, Mm -hmm they are drawn to you because they know that you can see them. They've been waiting to tell their story. They've been waiting for the attention. Now they know that you can see them. They're going to be drawn to you. So that, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Just to not. So, so can you fake it? Like, can they tell if you, if you can sense them or is it more so like an obvious thing? Like you're walking through a room and a person would see if you can see them by the, you know, just glance over. They, they apparently know, like they know the people who are open enough to communicate with them. Mm. So you can't fake it. You can't be like, I don't see you. I nothing's going on here. No, you, you apparently you've got to be strong enough to be able to say, I'm not going to deal with this right now. I don't okay. want to talk to you right now. Um, like setting you know, up, go away kind of thing. Setting up boundaries with the dead, yep. essentially. Wow. Yep. Interesting. Yep. That's very interesting. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. That's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. If you like it, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person and EPP. Sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Get all the bonus episodes, advanced episodes, and the archive, all commercial free. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Until next time for Todd, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. Real Ghost Stories Online.